Thank you, Aaron. Good morning again. If you just are tuning in throughout this and weren't here when we opened, I'm glad you're with us. Uh, Christ Central Church is a church uh, that desires to see God bring uh, renewal. We want to see God bring spiritual renewal to individuals and to communities by pouring out his grace into our lives. We want to see God bring social renewal uh, to individuals and systemic structures by extending mercy and justice. And we want to be a church that sees cultural renewal in our society uh, as all people have their faith in Christ animate their work, their recreations and artistic creations. So again, I'm glad you're here if you're just tuning in. I'm not sure how you come in this morning, sure of your faith in Jesus. Perhaps you're unsure and you're asking questions around Christianity and about God. We're really glad that you're with us virtually this morning. This is a very unique and strange time for us as a country and for much of our world. And so if you are viewing and this is your first time with Christ Central, we're glad you're here. We would really love to connect in person with you. Uh, and our passage this morning that we're going to be looking at comes at a very appropriate time. Uh, I did not hand select this passage in light of the coronavirus, though uh, there's nothing wrong with doing that. This is a passage that has been scheduled uh, to preach for months now. And we've been in the book of Ecclesiastes. This is where we are in our sermon series. We've been in this Old Testament book for eight weeks. I will preach this morning, and then we'll have two more Sunday mornings to finish up this series in Ecclesiastes and this title that we've called Chasing Meaning. If you've been with us, uh, you maybe have felt the ornery nature of the preacher-teacher of Ecclesiastes, known in Hebrew as Kohelet. Uh, I sat in on a lecture with Dr. Brent Strong in his Ecclesiastes class at Duke Divinity a few weeks ago with a number of our staff. And I laughed when he described Kohelet as this older curmudgeon who kind of smoked a cigarette, philosophizing about life, dishing out wisdom to us, his students. I think the preacher does feel that way. He is constantly throwing punches, trying to wake us up to the real world. The constant refrain throughout the book of Ecclesiastes is that the one certain thing that we can hold on to in this journey of life is death. And he's not teaching this to cause depression or to be overly morbid. Rather, we're being taught how to have proper perspective in this life under the sun. In Ecclesiastes, we're learning that our vantage point comes as we stand by a graveside and learn how to live. That perspective comes as we allow the coffin to be our teacher. We're going to look at a short passage this morning as we address how to have proper perspective when life is out of control. Very appropriate for our moment. I love how God gives us his word just when we need it. So if you're able and you're at home, I'm going to ask you to stand as we do on Sundays as I read God's word to us. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verses 1 through 6. This is God's word to us. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, 
For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Prophet Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Pray with me. Lord God, I thank you that you speak to us. Lord, I could not have hand-selected a more appropriate passage for our time. Thank you that in your goodness and providence that you've given us your word and this book of Ecclesiastes. And we pray that we wouldn't just hear uh, the, the voice of the preacher. We wouldn't hear my voice. We would hear your voice. That the living, active word of God would penetrate our hearts, illumine our minds, and transform our lives this day and every day as we move forward. I do pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts who listen would be pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, there is nothing certain in this world. There is nothing certain. One week ago, everyone was beginning to think about their NCAA bracket for March Madness, and now March Madness is canceled. One week ago, all students at UNC, NCCU, and Duke were certain that they would go away for spring, back, spring break and come back and finish their semester. Now everyone will finish up online. Two weeks ago, the stock market was soaring, and everyone was certain that our economy was rock solid. And in the past few weeks, it's been in steep decline, and within a short amount of time, people have lost tons of money. One week ago, many of you possibly felt very confident about your job, but now many jobs are being cut or suspended for a time, and maybe you're not sure where money's going to come from to pay the bills. Last week, we were certain about the way our church would look, and now we've had to adjust how we're the church in this moment. No one can be certain what life will look like in two weeks, much less two years or 20 years. No one planned for the coronavirus. Many are the plans of our hearts, but our plans do not always prevail, do they? You might have been certain about what your life might look like at this particular time. Maybe you had a vision of your apartment or your home or your job or your marriage or your family, but now you're not living in your ideal apartment or your ideal home. Maybe your job's not what you thought it would be. Maybe you're still hoping to get married or your marriage is much harder than anticipated, and your family, maybe you desire to have children but still have no children. Maybe you have children that are dealing with issues that are really out of your control. I was hanging out with an old neighbor this past week, and I asked about some of our other next-door neighbors and one family in particular, and he said, you didn't hear? And I said, no. He said, he, the husband, died of cancer. A very healthy 58-year-old husband and dad here one day, gone the next. One of my best friends from college was doing CrossFit eight years ago in a gym in Birmingham, Alabama. He was in top shape, better shape than he had been since high school. I mean, ripped, jacked. It was just him and his CrossFit coach in the gym, and he was doing toes to bar where you pull up on the on the, on the rig and you throw your toes to the bar, and he was trying to get the maximum number of toes to bar. And he was on rep number 31. And he went to throw his feet to the bar and his hands slipped and he fell from eight feet high directly on his head, cracking his skull where he would have internal brain bleeding, be intubated unconscious for weeks, no one knowing if he would live. 
for the next three years and honestly till still to this day his wife and his children his family and his friends have had to walk alongside him as he's recovered from what could have been his death i think one thing that this coronavirus has taught us is that tragedy and disaster is not a respecter of persons it can come upon the wealthy and the famous tom hanks and nba players it can come upon the powerful prime minister's wives it can come upon the grocery store clerk and the flight attendant. It is not a respecter of ethnicity because it has come upon the Chinese, the Italian, and Americans. I don't care who you are. Nothing in this life is certain. And this freaks us out, doesn't it? It freaks me out. And the preacher tells us this morning that our quest for certainty is vanity because there really is no certainty in this world. Look at verse 2. For you know not what disaster may happen on earth. I mean, is there a verse more appropriate than that for us today? We don't know the future. I think we all agree with that this morning. And not only do we not know the future, but we have no control over it. Look at verse 3. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will be. He is saying God does what God does. We have no control. When the clouds are full of rain, it rains. You can't stop the rain and you can't make it rain. When a tree falls, it falls. And then he says, we, we don't even really understand how our world works. Look at verse 5. You don't know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child. So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Now, hold up. He's not saying we don't get biology. He's not saying we don't increase in our understanding of DNA. He's saying that we don't really understand what sparks and creates life in the womb, that life is mysterious. And no matter how hard we try, we're not in control. He then goes on to say that we're not even able to predict what's going to be successful and what will fail. Look at verse 6. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, whether both alike will be good. Right? Who would have thought Stephen F. Austin would beat Duke in basketball this season? Who would have thought that toilet paper would be our hottest commodity right now? There's nothing certain in this life. And our pursuit of certainty in an uncertain world gives rise to two possible responses. We can clamp down or clam up. Hyper control, clamp down, or paralysis, clam up. Let's look first at clamping down. I think in uncertainty, we can seek to control everything around us, control our environment. When anxiety arises, do you clamp down? In this uncertain time, how have you been responding? Are you ensuring that you have your hand sanitizer, your toilet paper, your food? Have you gone into hyper control mode? I'm going to get mine type of a mindset. I want you to think not just about this time of coronavirus. I want you to think about your life in general. Have you created a one-year plan for your life, a five, 10, 15-year plan for your life, and nothing's going to get in your way? You're going to go to this school, or your children will go to this school. You're going to get this job. You're going to get married at this age. You're, you're going to have this many children. You're going to retire at this age with this amount of money. And in order to do these things, you're going to talk to the right people, network with the right people, be in the right places, because your plans must happen. 
I want you to think about relationships. Relationships, because I think there's nothing that exposes our lack of control quite like interacting with another human being. We cannot control another person, though we sure try. We want this person to like us, and if they don't, we'll try to figure out a way to make sure that they do like us. Let me ask you, do you, do you rework emails or rework text messages over and over, making sure everything is worded perfectly? Do you have a hard time saying no to people because you don't want anyone to be upset with you? Do you walk into a room and size everyone up and wonder what you need to do and what you need to be in order to be liked? Have you ever felt that on a Sunday morning at Christ Central? See, when we feel uncertain, particularly in relationships with other human beings, we clamp down by trying to control people's perception of us. Anxiety causes, that's caused by uncertainty can lead us to seek control by clamping down. But it can also lead to paralysis and cause us to clam up. I think that's why the preacher tells us over and over in our passage to do something. Verse 1, he says, cast. Verse 2, he says, give. It's like the old saying, nothing ventured is nothing gained. It's telling us to do something. Verse 4, he who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. He is saying that the farmer who waits for the perfect day may never receive a harvest. That's very practical for us. We can be so paralyzed by uncertainty that we will not attempt something until we know for sure. In this uncertain time right now, it is easy to allow fear and anxiety to lead us to clam up. I mean, 24-7 news about the coronavirus, news coming in every day can lead us to be full of fear. Has it led you to clam up, to retreat, to feel paralyzed, unsure what to do? Think it again with me in general. When you're trying to make decisions that you feel uncertain about, do you try to get counsel from about 100 different people? Do you think about every single angle of the situation before you take a step out, believing that if you do that, it will guarantee the ideal planned out life. We all want our ducks in a row before we take a step. We wanna know how this step's gonna lead to the next step and then to the next step. Do you find yourself paralyzed by big decisions, even small decisions? Are you paralyzed trying to decide what will your major be? What are you gonna declare? Which industry will you work in? What job will you apply for? What house will you live in? Where might your children go to school? Are you going to ask that girl or that guy out on a date? If you're afraid that things won't go as planned for you, it can lead you to never try and just clam up and stay safe and protected. Let me just highlight again that I think relationships with human beings reveal how we respond in uncertainty, right? Because relationships are the things that we know the most that we really cannot control. So let me ask you, are you calculated with your friendships? With people you interact with, do you measure people on how much worth they give you and therefore you give your time to them? Are you calculated in how you relate to people? Are you calculated wondering if people will like you or not before you ever take a step towards them? For those of you who are wanting to get married, maybe you're waiting for Mr. or Miss Perfect, I was there, 30, 34, finally got married. But maybe you want to know 
before a, a shadow of a doubt that your life's going to be amazing with this person. So instead of going out on a date, you stay safe and protected, never stepping out unless you know for sure that it's going to end in marriage. But there's nothing certain. And so we can either clamp down or clam up. And I think verse 5 in our passage is the key verse to unlock how we might live in the midst of uncertainty. Look at verse 5 at the very end of the verse. It says, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. The preacher is telling us that the foundational truth that gives us perspective in a world of uncertainty is the promise that our God is at work. God is at work. God's at work. It's our ultimate hope in a world filled with viruses and stock market crashes and classes being canceled. God is at work. It is our hope when we feel afraid, hurt, and lonely. We can trust that God is at work. And when we trust him, it leads us to do two things in relationship with him. The first is that it leads us to risk for him. To risk. Look at verses 1 to 2 again. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight. You know not what disaster may happen on earth. There's a good bit of commentary and debate on these two verses, but I do think one thing is really clear from verses one through two, is that God is calling us to spend and be spent for him and for his purposes in this world. God is calling us to give our lives away. Verse 1, cast bread and it will return. He's saying pleasure is found under the sun by giving our lives away. Verse 2, give a portion to seven or even eight. He's saying give to the nth degree. So now maybe more than ever, we are being asked and forced to ask, what's the point of health? What's the point of wealth if disaster might take it from us? The preacher is saying life is uncertain, so give. Give your life away. It's exactly what Jesus teaches us in the New Testament, to find your life by losing your life. You see, worldly wisdom builds bunkers to prepare for disasters. Worldly wisdom tells us to lock ourselves up, stockpile all of our needs, save all of our money, but biblical wisdom, ecclesiastical wisdom, is telling us to take risk for God, to open the doors of our home, to build schools, to build hospitals and churches, to give our money away, to spend our lives for the Lord, to take steps of faith, not steps of calculation. Why? Because God is at work. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, many people are getting ready to live but never really living. Many people are getting ready to live, but never really living. What he meant is that many people are living as not to die, preparing to live, never truly living. But tomorrow is not promised. So let, not, let us not get ready to live as if not to die. Instead, let us be a people who really live. Let us risk for the Lord. Let me ask you this. What are things that you find that your heart cannot live without? Is it money? Is it your time? Is it your comfort? Give these away. 
risk with God and you will find that you're really living, not just getting ready to live. One of my favorite movies of all time is Braveheart. At the end of the movie, William Wallace is preparing to face his executioners and is offered an anesthetic by Princess Isabella of France in order to numb the pain of what is going to be his torture and death. Wallace refuses to drink it. Princess Isabella says, you will die and it will be awful. And then he replies with one of the best lines of the whole movie, every man dies, but not every man really lives. Do you want to live? Then give your life away. Verse 6 says, sow seed in the morning, withhold not your hand at night. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Give your life away in many respects. Share your home. Share your time. Share your money. Share your faith in Jesus. Risk for him. Don't be calculated. Be courageous. In this time of uncertainty, we, the church, have the opportunity to risk for the Lord. This is a time for the church of Jesus and the people of God to rise up with courage, to not be hyper-controlled, not be paralyzed, but courageous in love. So how might you courageously love your neighbor right now? Will there be need for finances? How might you give financially? Will there be need for food? How might you give to provide food? Will there be need for shelter? How might you give shelter? Will there be need for personal presence? How might you give your presence? Christ Central Church, this is not retreat time. This is risk time. And when we risk with God, we will find that we're truly living. So trusting that God is at work allows us to risk for him. But it also allows a second thing. It allows us to rest in him. God at work in this world, even if we don't know what he's doing, we can trust him. And it's freeing to believe and trust that he is at work for our good and for his glory. So you can trust God for your future. You can trust God for your school and for your work and for your relationships. Trusting God is at work frees us to fail, frees us to not get things right. God at work teaches us that whether we're in success or apparent failure, God is in control and he is at work. I know every single one of us can get anxious about our lives. Well, what's next week going to look like? What will next year or 10 years from now be like? We have no idea. But we do know that God deeply cares about us. We do know that God will never leave nor forsake us. We do know that if God did not spare his only son, will he not graciously give us all things? We may not know the future, but we can know him. Hear me, God loves each and every one of you. And he has promised that if a sparrow does not fall to the ground apart from him, that nothing in our lives will happen apart from him. So the pressure's off. You don't need to try to control everything and clamp down, and you don't need to become paralyzed and clam up. When the uncertainties of this life overwhelm you, enter into the presence of a loving Father who has promised to be with you. Spend time with your Savior who has promised to redeem you and to redeem this world. And allow the Spirit of God who has promised to comfort you, to unite you to the Father and to the Son. In this life under the sun, 
We only have one life to live. Would we live it fully? The preacher is doing all he can to do to teach us that life is gift, not gain. See, if we think life is gain, we're going to insulate, control, clamp down, clam up. But work's not about gain. Work's a gift from God. Friendships aren't about gain. We never use people. Friendships are a gift from God. God is at work. It frees us up to enjoy this life and to live this one life fully. And in this one life, we never know how God will work. But we do trust that he is at work. So we risk with him and we rest in him. It's a great story that I read about this past week. A man named Luke Short was at the tender age of 103. He was sitting under a hedge in Virginia when he happened to remember a sermon that he had once heard preached by the famous Puritan John Flavel. And as he recalled this sermon, Short asked God to forgive him of his sins right then and right there, that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he might be redeemed and reconciled to God. He would live for three more years, and when he died, the following words were inscribed on his tombstone. Here lies a babe in grace, aged three years, who died according to nature, aged 106. But here's the remarkable part of the story. The sermon that old Mr. Short remembered had been preached 85 years earlier back in England. Nearly a century had passed between Flavel's sermon and Short's conversion to Jesus, between the sowing and the reaping. God is at work. Cast your bread, give to the nth degree, risk for him. God is at work. Relax. Know that he loves you and he's with you and rest in him. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would draw us to, to trust your good and sovereign hand to lead and to trust that you are with us, never leaving nor forsaking us, that we would trust that you are at work in our lives and in this world. We may not comprehend, we may not always see it, but Lord, give us faith to believe. Anchor us in the promises that you who have begun a good work in us and in this world are faithful to complete it. So Lord, lead us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.